Good to be back with you this morning. Had a little uh, under the weather last last week, but um, got over that. Stuff's going around, isn't it? Hey, a couple quick things. Um, we're, we're trying to get out our newest edition of our membership directory. If you um, if you have not had your picture made, next Sunday is your Sunday. Uh, we'll we'll have it uh, set up and just bring your your favorite smile and we'll click that and have that. If uh, for some reason you, you saw the last one, you're like, man, I've got a new do. Since then, I want to update my picture. You're welcome to come uh, and and uh, and get your get your picture done. I also I, I tell you we've have for several several years we have had what we've called Vision Sunday. It's a time where we, we cast vision, we talk about what we believe God is doing and stirring in, in, our, in our midst. We've, we normally do this in, in March, but we believe, that we've, we as a staff have been praying and seeking, and God has just laid upon our heart kind of a, not necessarily a new vision, but in a sense it is. And it's so important, we've actually moved it up to the last Sunday of this month. And I hadn't even told our, our uh, life group leaders, but we're going to actually, we did this the very first time we had a Vision Sunday. We, 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 we put our life groups aside for, for a Sunday. In fact, that Sunday, we're going to have two services, two identical services, because we believe this is, it's so important that you hear this. We want everyone to hear. So if you're working in that first hour, you work with our kids and love on them and teach them, and then the second hour is for you. Then some of you who, who work in that second hour with our kids, you come to that first hour. We want to cast this vision. It, it is for everyone. It, I believe it's one of the most important messages, a vision message that I've shared since I've, since I've been here. I'm very excited about it. look forward to, to being. So mark your calendars. Last Sunday, I believe it's the 28th. Well, happy new year. It is a new year. It's great to, uh, to jump in. It's a new year when we, oftentimes, it's a, it's a season of, of setting new goals, setting resolutions. Anybody make New Year's resolutions? You've broken them too many times. You're like, I'm not doing that again this year. <laughs> well, it is sometimes a, it's a time just maybe to set out on a, a, on a path for change. Now, you're right. It's sometimes what can happen. We start off on, with, with great enthusiasm, and then uh, pretty soon we fall back right into, into our old habits. But uh, is, it, is it possible to be successful with new habits? There's a mouse. You hear it? So is it possible to, to start a new habit and actually have it kick in and stay with us? That's actually what a habit is, something that becomes, you don't have to think about it. It's like breathing. It just, you just do it. Well, I read there's a study out of the European Journal of Social Psychology that found that an average of, in 66 days, average, it took 66 days of repetition to form a, a new habit. Sometimes it's less. I saw even sometimes down to 18. Sometimes it's even, even more than that. But forming a new habit or breaking an old habit, is, it's really far more effective in the long run than, than making a New Year's resolution or even setting a goal. Those things can be good things, 
But if you establish a habit or break an old habit, it can have far-lasting implications. You know, through the, through the months of November and December this last year, I spent a good bit of time just reflecting upon all that God has accomplished in and, and through us as a church this past year. Uh, like the song that we just sang, what he's done, all he's done. But even just the, the things that, that God was able to do in us we put together that, that special newsletter entitled uh, Thanks Be to God. And it was fun just putting that together. Sometimes you don't see it because it, things are happening a little at a time. And, but then you put it all together and you're like, wow, God, God has accomplished a lot in us and, and through us this year. We give him all the praise and thanks for all of it. But yet at the same time, I, I, I'm longing, especially now as we come into a new year, I long for God to do more in 2024. And that rhymes. I didn't even realize that I'm a poet, didn't know it, right? I pray, I long to see more lives changed. I, I long and I pray to see these baptismal waters stirred more. I pray for marriages to be enriched and restored, and I, I pray for families to experience the, the depths of God's grace and power, to see His Spirit at work in conforming conforming marriages, conforming all of us in more and more into the image of Christ. I pray for our church to become more dependent upon, upon prayer, to be more passionate in sharing our faith, to be more compassionate for the needy and the broken, to be more authentic and transparent in, in our relationships and in our conversations with, with one another to be more generous with our lives and resources and to, and to be more deeply in love with, with Jesus and with others than, than ever before. Things that I long for, I want in, in my own life and family. And as I think about 2024, I'm brought to Acts 2024. And I would long for this to kind of be the resounding theme of our hearts. I want to show you this passage up here. And uh, it's, it's written in first person, but I want to put it in, 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 in collective, all of us. It says, but we do not count our lives of any value, nor as precious to ourselves. If only we may finish our course in the ministry that we have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This was Paul's desire for himself. It's, it's really my life verse. I want God to finish, I want to finish well the course and ministry that he has for us. And I believe it's the same for us as a church, that we would finish well, that we would even go into this year longing to see God move and stir in our lives and to finish the course, the ministry that we've received from him to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So how does this happen? Well, God can, and he does this at times, he, he can do it, he, he can do it in us, he can just, his spirit can just fall and renew us, revival can, can break out. We read about that in history, we see that even today in churches. Oh, I long and I pray for that all the time for our church. Oh, just stir, bring something big here. But yet, how God often brings about trans transformation is through the small changes made in our hearts and in our minds and in our 
in our actions. You know, if each of us were to establish some new spiritual habits, maybe break some old worldly habits over the course of this next year, friends, we will together see some incredible things, some significant change in us and in our church for the glory of God. And when God begins to change us individually, when he begins to change us as a church, lives, more lives will, will be impacted. That's what I long for. That's what we pray for as a church. Oh, God, use us to, to touch lives, to impact lives. And for all, of this, all these reasons, we're beginning this new year with a series simply called Habits. Habits. It's going to be, a, I pray, a catalyst for the remainder of the year as we together put new spiritual habits in place. And each week we're going to set down some very specific plans, give you some encouragement, resources to, to hopefully make plans so that they become habits. Be sure to, I want to encourage you to go to our social media sites, even, even this week, this tomorrow there'll be some stuff there you can go you can find some resources and some encouragement on our facebook there'll be some videos and other things just to encourage you in, in establishing habits in in your life go to yourfirstbaptist.com slash habits all kinds of neat things there this morning we're going to look at we're going to go into the scriptures we're going to look at two two of jesus's disciples peter and john and we're going to find this jesus has risen from the dead, he's met with the disciples, and now he's ascended up to the, the throne, and, and now the disciples are left, they have met, the Holy Spirit's come down, and now they're out, they're out sharing the good news. And we're going to see in these guys' lives the difference it makes when they spent time with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. So if you would, take your Bibles, I want to encourage you, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you're using one of those black Bibles, you can just turn to 9-11, 9-11. I do want us to read this, this whole account. Paul tells Timothy, the new pastor there in Ephesus, do not neglect the public reading of Scripture. It's good to read Scripture. And I want us to read this whole account so follow along, Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And as they, speaking of Peter and John, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees, they came upon them. They were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribes, they gathered together there in Jerusalem, and with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? And Peter, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become now the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the, the man who was healed standing beside them, they, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they, they conferred with one another saying, what, what, what are we going to do with these men? Well, there, there's not a notable sign has been performed through them, and it's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we, we cannot deny it. But in order that it that it may spread to no further among the people. Let us warn them to, to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them in and they charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whatever is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So let me give you just a little bit of background on what kind of led up to Peter and John's arrest. See, they're going into the temple. You can read back in chapter 3. They're, they're on their way to the temple there in, in Jerusalem. And as they, they approach the gate there, there's a crippled man, a lame man. He, and he's there every day. He's, he's laying out there and he's asking for help. He's asking for, for money, for alms. And as they're walking by, sure enough, the same thing happens. They're, they're on their way. They want to tell about Jesus. They want to go talk about Jesus. And they see this man, and he's like, hey, can you help me? Can you give me some, 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 some money? Peter says, I don't have any gold or silver, but, but what I do have can, can change everything. In fact, with these words, the man's life was forever changed. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And people, can you imagine? Everybody's looking around. Peter reaches out his hand and lifts the guy up. And he's, all of a sudden, strength comes to his legs, his ankles. He's standing there. And it says that as they go into the temple, he went walking and leaping and praising God. Well, that drew a crowd. Thousands. I mean, 5,000 people came to Christ. That, that's just the men. Not, maybe, maybe he had that many more. I mean, you could have had 10, 15, 20,000 people. So I'm sure all the religious leaders are looking around like, what in the world, what is going on? They make their way through the crowd and they hear these two men speaking about Jesus. 
about Jesus. And they were incensed. See, they had just successfully had Jesus crucified. And then there were these rumors that he has been raised from the dead. Now these disciples are, are standing here and they're gathering this crowd and they're talking about Jesus and that he's alive and that they can have new life in Christ. Jesus is this Messiah that's been promised in the Old Testament. Who are these guys? Who gave them the right to speak like this? Truthfully, their message was a threat to their authority and to their religiosity, their religious system. So they, what they do? They had them arrested. And the next day, while they're still in custody, they bring them in. And Peter and John, they even took that opportunity to share about Jesus to the religious leaders. It's awesome. After telling these religious leaders that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ, Christ alone, we have what I believe is the highlight, the, the pinnacle of this passage there in verse 13. Look at it again. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished at this phrase right here, this sentence. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Let me just stop right there. I want to ask a very, I think, a very important question. When people look at our lives, can they tell that we've been with Jesus? Think about it. When people look at you, when they see you, do they say, man, that person has been with Jesus? That person has been spending time with Jesus. What was it about Peter and John that made it so evident? Is that something that you and I can have? I think so. And I think we can pick up a few things from our text about, about Peter and John and the time they spent with Jesus. First, there in verse 13, it says that the religious, they saw their boldness. They saw their boldness. Spending time with Jesus gives us boldness. It gives us boldness. They had a courage and an audacity that was not of themselves. They didn't, these guys didn't have seminary degrees. They weren't like all these religious leaders that had studied for years and years and years. These were just common everyday folks. They could tell they were uneducated, but they had a boldness that was incredible. Right before Jesus was to be crucified, the story of, of Peter. He, sh he showed more cowardice than he did confidence. People gathered around like, hey, aren't you with Jesus? Oh, no, I don't, I don't know that guy. And he's off over here. Hey, man, you are with him. And I mean, I can tell your accent, you're, your accent is, you're, you're, you're one of those disciples, aren't you? No, I don't, I don't know that guy. A little bit later, you're, aren't you, you, oh, I don't even know that guy. Uh-uh, I'm out of here. Now I'm out. Cowardice. And now he's got this boldness that is unleashed. He's a, potentially could face, I mean, he saw Jesus crucified. And now he's speaking, realizing that there's, there's a good chance I could be imprisoned. I could be persecuted. 
and they could maybe even do the same thing to me, but it wasn't going to stop him. You know, the leaders decided to release them, but they warned them not to talk about Jesus anymore. And again, with spirit-filled boldness, they told them that there was no way that they could be silenced. They had to speak about all that they had seen and heard while spending time with Jesus. Oh, that that would be us. As we spend time with Jesus, that he would infuse us with a boldness where we could not be silent. We have to go out and share. That brings us, I think, to a natural second outcome of being with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus gives us boldness. It also gives us a mission gives us a mission begin being with Jesus changed everything for these men everything in their lives now really fell under submission to a greater calling and and purpose they were living on mission Peter and John no longer lived for themselves they now lived for Christ the light of Christ was shining in their lives and they they had to let it shine upon others I'm sure they remembered those words of Jesus there early on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. It says, Jesus tells them, You're the light of the world, a city set up on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They couldn't put the light under a basket they were going to let it shine let it shine let it shine I think that's why they went to the temple in the first place they had to go be light and they, they couldn't just like keep it hey we're going to just talk about this and that no they had to go out and tell others they were on mission Friends, when we spend time with Jesus, he empowers us to live our lives on mission. You are missionaries, every one of you. You are on mission. We begin to recognize our workplaces, our neighborhoods, and yes, even our homes. They are mission fields that God has placed us in to shine. Parents, if you're a parent, your primary role yeah, you put food on the table, you raise the key, all those good things. But your primary role is on mission to shine Jesus to your kids, to show them Jesus. That's what God has called you and set you apart to do. God has specifically placed each of us, has put you in a specific neighborhood a specific house he's given you the place where you live and you're on mission there to to be a light to your neighbors share and show them jesus for all of you who have jobs your work is a, a mission field sure it provides for your family but that's secondary sure we're to work diligently we're to work conscientiously we're to work as unto the Lord honor him with the way we work but as you spend time with Jesus you'll see the depths of spiritual need around you you'll see the darkness you'll see the lostness and because you've experienced God's transforming grace and mercy how can you just put it under a bushel you put it under a basket you can't do it 
you'll see them and you'll want to point them to Jesus, the answer, the hope, the healer. Spending time with Jesus changes everything. Common people are transformed into spiritual superheroes infused with supernatural boldness and set ablaze with the mission of God. That's you, superhero. (laughs) Not in your own strength, but empowered by God. You know, earlier I said that I long for God to do more in and through us in 2024, more in 24. For this to happen, it begins by spending time with Jesus. There's no other way around it. Just like spending time with Jesus altered the trajectory of of Peter and John's lives, forever changed them. It can alter our lives and our families and our church. And the truth is, I mean, I really don't have to convince you of this. I mean, you, you know that, right? Spending time with Jesus changes your life. I mean, it does. You know that. I don't really have to come up here and just convince you of that. Jesus changes everything. You know that spending time with Jesus, it's not just a good thing. It is a life-changing thing. This brings us to, really to the, the series title, Habits. I want us all to Develop the habit, and we're going to begin this year with spending time with Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. I want to talk some very, very specific application about what it looks like to spend time with Jesus. There's several things that we need to do to develop the habit of spending time with Jesus. I'm just going to kind of walk through these. First, we have to make a specific plan. We have to make a specific plan. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask all of us to do. It's right there on the screen. This is the ask. This is the big ask. I want us to spend time with Jesus by reading the Bible for 10 minutes every day. You're like, oh, 10 minutes? Is that that what you got? I mean, is that what you got? 10 minutes can change a lot. Beginning tomorrow, I want you all to spend 10 minutes reading the Bible. If you're you're new to reading the Bible or you're ready to start fresh, let me just encourage you to, I mean, just start reading about Jesus. If If this is new to you, just start with Jesus. And you can read about Jesus starting in Matthew, first book of the Bible, of the New Testament. It's all about Jesus, all about his life. So start in Matthew, 10 minutes. You know that uh, that passage that we just read, our passage there in Acts chapter 4, it took me two minutes and 40 seconds. I timed it. Two minutes and 40 seconds, and we almost did a whole chapter, right? You can easily, in 10 minutes, you can read a couple of chapters. And then before you know it, you're going to blink, and in a month, you'll have Matthew read. It'll be, it'll be, and you'll go on. Then for Matthew, what I would encourage, maybe jump over to Acts. And you're going to see the the birth of the church. You're going to see the gospel go out. And you're going to see lives changed. And it is so encouraging. Then when you get done with Acts, go back and spend some more time with Jesus. Go back and read Mark. Then read Luke. Then maybe pause again. Luke and Acts are actually one one book. 
We just divide them out. So after you finish Luke, go back and read Acts again. Then when you get done with Acts, go back and read John. And I'm telling you, when you do that, it'll, it'll make a difference. I, I can guarantee it. I could bet a steak dinner on it. Spend 10 minutes with Jesus. Second, now that you have a specific plan, I want you to put that plan with a specific time and place. A specific time and place. Something like, I will spend time with Jesus by reading the Bible for 10 minutes every day at 7 o'clock in the morning in my chair in the living room. So see what I've just done? I've made it a little bit more specific. Now I have a time and a place. Maybe you're like, man, morning is not, not that great. Your evenings are much better. Well, that's fine. Find a time. Put a time down. <clears throat> you're like, well, I don't have time. You have time. You can make time. Ten minutes. Maybe it's at lunch. Maybe it's during a, during a break. Set that, that time and that place aside. You know, Jesus did this. It was often his custom. You'll see him getting away from the crowds and oftentimes going into a desolate place. Mark 1.35 says, And rising early, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to the desolate place, and there he prayed. You know, if it's good enough for Jesus, if Jesus needed to do that with his father, friends, we need to do that. Get away. Get with Jesus. Pray. Read the Bible. Third, Stack your time with Jesus on a, on a habit that you have already established. This is called habit stacking. Maybe you're like, you know what? I, um, anybody drink coffee in the morning? All right. Anybody like coffee's the first thing you do? All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of that way too. So like coffee's already a habit. Like, I mean, I get up and, and I go and then I make the coffee and it's brewing. And when it's, it's the, you know, the best time of waking up is whatever in that whatever kind of coffee in that cup right so hey i do that every morning so that becomes a cue so what i'm going to do with that already habit i'm going to stack this new activity all right here i'm going to drink my coffee at seven o'clock in the morning while i'm sitting in my chair in the living room and while i'm doing that i'm going to read i'm going to spend time i'm 10 minutes with jesus reading the bible so you you stack something on top of a habit you already have and Studies have shown that if you, when you habit stack, you're way, way more um, apt to see that become a, become a habit. Stack it. Fourth, make it fun and engaging. Make it fun and engaging. That's why I didn't have you start in the book of Leviticus. Now, Leviticus is an awesome book. It's an awesome book. Every word of the Bible is awesome. But if again, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't start there. But find, find ways to make it engaging. You know, some people like, in fact, you can take the ESV app. Go to ESV.org. We use the ESV version. Go to ESV. You can do it on your, on your desktop. You can, go, you can get the ESV app. And... Um, They'll, they'll actually read it to you. So you, you start in Matthew, you go to Matthew, and then you hit the button there, and this guy with this really cool, deep voice, this reading voice, you, it just, and it makes it like, whoa, I like that. <laughs> That's great. 
I mean, if that's your thing, let that, just be creative. Let that, like, inspire you to go and just follow along as this voice reads God's word uh, to you. I think they have now, like, five or six different voices. I think you can subscribe. It's like 20 bucks a year. Then you get all these other voices with accents. And it's just, anyway, find something that works. Make it interesting. Make it engaging. Make it fun. For those of you who like to keep track of your reading there's some of you and this is kind of me I like to check the box you know I like I'm a check the box kind of guy I've, um, I use OmniFocus for my my task and I love it just going through and checking it and seeing it go bloop, bloop, just you know just knocking them out right some of you like the check boxes so what we've done we've created a, a, a chart for you you can find this again on our website there at um, yourfirstbaptist.com slash habits and there's a habit tracker. Yeah, you can circle the month. You can put it, spending time. In fact, we've already filled it in for you. You can print it out. It's just spend 10 minutes with Jesus by reading the Bible every day. And then you, there it is. It all has 31 days. And you can just go and you check the box. Some people like that. And it's, it's engaging. It's fun. Another thing you do is um, I like to mark in my Bible. Get some, get some markers and just mark. I mean, just make it simple. Grab a highlighter. And man, if something grabs you, just highlight. Just make it engaging. And I've got, I don't want to. Here's another. Um, you you want to make it, you want to take it to the next level? Still, 10 minutes. Uh, this is the ESV study Bible. It has every verse, I think almost every verse of the Bible explained. So you, you, like Matthew, you open it up and you start reading and you can like glance like, what in the world does that mean? What is what is that? And you look down there, oh, okay. And they'll they'll give them these, these are really smart guys that put this thing together. 30 bucks, you can get this thing. And um, it is a wonderful, I use this all the time. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource. I think everybody needs this right here. It's one of the best study Bibles, I believe, out there on the market. And it can make the scriptures come alive. It can make them fun and engaging. In fact, here's, this is the same thing, ESV, but this is the concise study Bible. So it's not quite like that. It's a little more manageable. And I'll tell you what, if someone here today, right now, if you'll commit to spending 10 minutes with Jesus every day, I will give you this. Just lift up your hand. Anybody want to do it? I see it right there, right there. Take that on back there. Hey, enjoy that. Make it fun. Make it engaging. Fifth, be accountable. Be accountable. This is where that tracker can help out. You start checking them off, and then you, then you miss a day, and it's okay. Hey, none of us are perfect, right? Don't get discouraged when you miss a day. Just get back on track the next day. This is where community steps in. Like in your life group, talk about it. Ask about it. Teachers, ask, hey, how did, it, how did it go this week? What did you read? Or when you're out with somebody, going out to eat or meeting up with somebody, from, ask them, man, how's your reading going? Ten minutes. What are you learning? What's it been like spending that time with, with Jesus? And let's celebrate and spur one another on. All right, here it is. I will spend time with Jesus by reading the Bible for 10 minutes 
every day. I will spend time with Jesus by reading the Bible 10 minutes every day. Now, you may be like, Pastor, I, I already spend time reading the Bible every day. Well, then let me just encourage you to spend 10 more minutes. Just add, add 10 more minutes in there. It will make a difference. It'll add up. People around you will look at your life and they'll go, hmm, I can tell he's been with Jesus. Wow, I can, I can see Jesus in her. Maybe you're here today and this is, I mean, this is all brand new stuff. You're like, man, all right, spending time with Jesus. I mean, like reading a book, yes. This is all about Jesus. Actually, every word of it. He wrote it all. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was, God and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. He is this Word. When you spend time in, in this book, you are spending time with Jesus. And the truth is, God loves you. Jesus loves you and wants to spend time with you. In fact, when we sinned and you know, broke that relationship with God and we had no hope of you know, trying to build a ladder back up to heaven, it's just impossible. You can't do it. It was just it's severed. That relationship was severed. It, it, it was going to take something supernatural something divine that's why God sent his son Jesus and Jesus lived the perfect life he went to a cross and he died there the perfect sacrifice and when he died he, he took the sins of the world upon his shoulder and when he died and was buried that he buried them he took them away paid for them and for every person who trusts in Jesus trusting not just a dead Jesus buried but one who was raised from the dead three, three days later victorious over sin he gives the opportunity of a restored life to get to be with him forever that's the good news there is no other name in heaven by which you can be saved but through Jesus that's what he told those religious leaders and friends that's what he's telling us today Jesus is the answer Turn to him today. Begin to walk with him. Watch him change your life. Again, friends, 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day can change everything. God has done some wonderful things in the past several years in our church, and I, I believe that God is going to do more. It begins this week. It begins this week as we spend time with Jesus. I uh, started just adding it up. You know, if you just took 150 people, 150 people, and if 150 people spent 10 minutes with Jesus on that day, it would add up to 25 hours. And you put that out over a, a week, and you have 175 hours in a week. And you multiply that by 52 weeks, or 365 days here. I think, is this leap year? I think there's 366, so it might be a little bit more. You know how many hours you get? 9,125. You know what that equals? 380 days. 
What would happen if we as a church experienced Jesus collectively for 380 days? If we walked with Jesus for 380 days collectively as a church, would that change anything? I, I know it will. That's 10 minutes. Friends, we can do this. You got this. We got this. And God is going to do some things in your life, in your family, in your marriages, in your relationships, in our church, and he's going to use us in ways we have yet to see. Friends, it will embolden us as never before and launch us out into purpose-filled gospel mission that impacts lives and, I believe, generations to come. We're going to talk about generational transformation on Vision Sunday. But it begins today with this. Let's commit. Will you commit 10 minutes a day? Would you do it? 10 minutes a day, spending with Jesus, reading the Bible. Let's pray. God, it almost, this almost feels too simple. <laughs> but to see these just, again, ordinary, ordinary guys, just some, a couple of ordinary guys who walked with Jesus for about three years and, and their lives were changed, forever changed. They had a boldness. They started living on mission. Everything changed. And God, the, the same God that, that, that changed them is the same God that changes us. We thank you for what, what you've done in us through Christ. And oh, that we might just spend some time, spend a little more time walking with Jesus, all that we would do it, inspire us, God, this week to give you an extra 10 minutes and then watch that, God, if you would take that little offering and multiply it like you did the, that, that, that fish and the bread there, that little boy came and said, hey, this is all I have, this is what I, can, this is what I have and then Jesus took it, he blessed it and he, he fed thousands. Oh, God, would you take the heart our time, that little offering, and God multiply it out. Not just to change our own lives and our families and marriages, but God, that you would change our community. God, you would, it would spill over into bold gospel witness for the glory of your matchless name. Help us, empower us by your spirit to do it. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name.